0: Whenever I was 16 years old, that's when I met the biggest bully and the biggest enemy of my entire life. I've never had someone treat me worse than whenever I was 16 years old. Called me names, was just brutal, abusive, like everything that he could be. And he lived in my mirror. It was me.
1: Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and we've got quite a treat for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, moving from being a sausage delivery truck driver in Southeast Texas to a five number one hit song guy. Okay. Today, my special (laughs) guest is Micah Tyler. Micah, welcome to The Brave Place. Hey,
0: this, I'm I'm so glad to be hanging with you and all the the Brave Place fam.
1: Well, we're grateful to have you. Um, if there's anybody that fits uh, this podcast, it's you because your book, and that's what I really want to talk a lot about today, and your music. The title of your book is inspired by your hit song "Walking Free."
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a song. It you know it's three and a half minutes, and so I'm trying to shove as much as I can into three and a half minutes. So <laughs> I, I feel like. Still, a lot more to talk about when it came to the freedom that Jesus offers us. So, 250 pages is a lot more room (laughs) to be able to, to cover that kind of a topic.
1: Hmm. Well, one thing I love about this too is, you know, to so many of us, you hear the words walking free and, you know, run towards Jesus and Jesus is the answer. And that feels so abstract. It feels kind of untouchable and what you do in your book. And again, the title is walking free for our listeners, taking small steps to a big God. And this is what I love about it is it's small bite-sized steps every day. It's a 42 day journey. And each step is just a great devotional on practical ways you can walk towards freedom. And I I really want to talk about that. I'm passionate about this topic, about just being free. Can we just start with you about you know, what I mentioned earlier, driving a sausage delivery truck in Southeast Texas and where you were at that time in your life and what brought you to this place of surrender and just your, your story. Just share with us if you don't mind.
0: Yeah. Well, I was 10 years old. Uh, that was the moment at vacation Bible school when I ne- I realized that I needed a savior, that I, that Jesus was the, the, the only person that could sit on the, on the seat as the Lord of my life. And, and, and so it was there that he, you know, the gospel changed my life that day. And so from that point on, when I was seventeen, I felt the call to go into ministry. When I was eighteen, right after high school, I had a youth pastor make a big impact on my life and i, I just kind of felt like I wanted to do the same thing for, for for student for teenagers. So at eighteen years old, became a youth pastor at a little church um, just down the road from where I grew up and um and and became a youth pastor there did youth ministry for for nine years. When I was twenty, uh, I bought a guitar uh, because I wanted one of some of the one of the kids or a couple of the kids to learn how to play it so they could lead worship for the youth group. I did not know how to play an instrument. No, one in my family is musical, and so I thought I'll, I'll snag a guitar, uh, and then one of these kids will play it, and then like I'll, I won't have to preach as long, you know. And so, uh,
1: <laughs> so you I, you did not have a music background at this point at all.
0: Uh, not, wow, I mean, I, I think best, you know, like where you look back at the sound guy and nod your head when you want him to push push start on the CD or the tape, and you sing along. <laughs> But you know, I, I like wasn't in choir in high school, didn't have any instruments or anything. And so, you know, I love music. I've loved music my whole life, but had no kind of like training or anything aside from seventh grade band. But there's not a whole lot of baritone players in CCM. So it's not really a good background for me to go back to. So I, I just started picking around. I, I had a book that said play the guitar overnight, which was a lot. because it took me three months to learn one song. And, uh, and I finally got the courage on a Wednesday night to play Open the Eyes of My Heart for the youth group. And then we sang that song every week for a few weeks until they got tired of it and asked me to learn another one. <laughs> so I started learning more. And then it became like I started writing songs, like funny songs that would go along with my sermons. And, and like I would, I would, you know, just make up things or I'd cover things or whatever to kind of go along with my messages. And then I started writing serious songs to go along with my messages. Like, I'd be, you know, reading something in Scripture, and it would just really speak to me. And I thought, man, if there's a way for these kids to remember it better, maybe a song would be the best way for them to kind of, like, latch on Scriptures. So I'd hop in there and write those kind of things. And then I had buddies of mine who were youth pastors who who knew that I was doing that, and they just thought it would be a cheaper option. Like, they would let me know, like, hey, can you come play at our camp or come play at our retreat? I'd go, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'll do it. And they said— Oh, what a relief! Because we can't afford to 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 pay like a real band. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Whatever. So I started doing that, and so I was twenty seven um, and had never been on staff as a music minister or anything like that. But was just leading more and more at other places and and for other people and for our group and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, I, I just my wife and I both just felt this this calling in our life because the thing is. We will never stand before Jesus and, and him say, Well done by good and successful musician mm. or podcast host mm. or a fine or mom or dad. It's faithful servant, right? So the thing is that that's a one size fits all kind of a blanket that's getting thrown on our on us. Like our job is not to be successful, our job is not to uh, you know be better than everyone else. Our job is to be faithful to Jesus as a servant, to what he calls us to do. And so we just felt this really radical you know, shift in our heart of what faithfulness looked like. And so um, we went to the church. They said, hey, why don't we take the next six months for you to work some part-time jobs and then you can stay on as youth pastor. And then in six months, you guys can step into this next thing. But that gives you a little chance to save some money. And so I, I started um, doing odd jobs. I was a substitute teacher at an elementary school. I mowed some grass for a couple different people. And then I also drove a sauce delivery church. And I had filled it in a couple times before earlier on in our marriage when I was trying to save some money. Um, and, but at this point they were like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come out and, and we can give you a couple of days a week for you to go drive the truck. And so I just started driving a truck and being a youth pastor. So we did it for six months and then we sold over half of what we owned, bought a single wide mobile home, put it on some borrowed land. And then I just kept doing odd jobs and stepped away from the church. They were super great about sending me out to go do this thing. And it wasn't because we had a record deal. It wasn't because we had a, you know, a tour bus picking us up or even a lot of shows on the books. It was just basically us feeling this calling to step out into something because Jesus called us to be faithful. Mm. So that was literally, it'll be 12 years next week.
1: Well, what a testimony of letting go and letting God take over. I mean, that's surrender at its finest. I don't don't know another better definition than that.
0: I was just kicking and screaming and fighting too. (laughs) I mean, I I had my Jacob wrestling moment, those wrestling matches as well. And it's like, God, what in the world are you, Doing right now because really we didn't have wise counsel. Someone telling us like, here, okay, so to become a professional musician, here are the ten steps that you need to do like that. That just did not exist. And and I live in buna Texas, and I still live here. And there's no roads that lead from buna Texas to Nashville, at least not a paved one, <laughs> to be able to get. <laughs> and like I just felt it just deep, deep in my chest that that God just reminded us like, hey, just be faithful to what I put in front of you. And mm-hmm. so what faithfulness was like at the beginning was driving a truck and filling in at an elementary school and helping out with, you know, playing at camps and retreats and those kinds of things and just trying to write music and and be honest about what God was doing in my heart. So, you know, to, to be completely honest today, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to be faithful to what's in front of me. And so faithfulness just looks a little different now than what it did before. But at the same time, I'm, I'm just trying to say, God, I, I, I can't be faithful to all these things tomorrow. I can't be faithful to everything from yesterday. All I can do is just continue to commit my life to serving and being being faithful to you today. And so, you know, surrender is that, is, is that daily uh, choice that we have to wake up and say, all right, is it my life or is it your life and my life in your hands? And so that's just what we're doing now.
1: Well, I just love that, and you can see how he's multiplying your influence. I mean, there's a story that you share in your book um, towards the end of it that I just love because you said you're you're at this pizza party and there's ten kids, and you're playing music, and in your mind you're just kind of like they they care more about their pizza than they do the message I'm trying to <laughs> convey right now. And and God whispered to your heart in that, just saying, "Hey, it's about being faithful in the little things," right? And uh, tell me about that moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, the number one question or comment that I get from young musicians, like if I go somewhere, if I'm playing at a church or I'm playing at a concert and I'm signing up my merch table, there's always a couple of people who will come up to me and be like, hey, man, I want to do this for a living. How do I how do I get to do what you're doing right now? Because what they see is they see me standing on a stage opening up for, you know, big acts or me having my own concert and everything else people there and we sold the tickets and all the things and the lights are flashing and the, the sound is coming out and I've got the band around me and the whole deal and they see the tour bus rolling up and they go man how do I get to do that thing and what I want to tell them is like hey look you're catching me you know 39 years into like what the Lord's been doing what I what I always tell them these young musicians and, and what can be applied to literally any of our lives right now is you can only be faithful to what's in front of you and mm-hmm. so I, I tell I'm like hey look what are you doing right now? It's not what do you want to do? It's what what are you doing right now? And they're like, oh, well, I, I, I lead worship for my youth group. I'm like, hey, be satisfied that God has given you something to be faithful today. Playing in front of those kids with pizza thing. Oh, you got to believe that there's moments where I'm going like, man, one day, if I could just get in front of a few hundred people, I know it would be great. And man, if I had a better guitar, if I had a better sound system, I have. But the thing was, God was teaching me things in those moments, trying to play in front of 10 kids at a pizza party. That was a moment that really transformed my heart and and, and helped me remember, like, I can only be faithful to this thing right now. So, fast forward a few years of playing those kind of plays, playing at churches and doing concerts and stuff like that, but still very much was playing into bad sound systems that I was playing in front of kids who didn't know who I was. And, like, I didn't have a song on the radio for them to sing along to. So, everyone, it's all new to them. And if they don't like it, then it's not, you know, all the things going on. (laughs) So, fast forward about six, seven years into me doing music, and I remember I actually got to start opening up for national acts when they would come to Southeast Texas. And so I was kind of the local guy because I, play, I they played my music on the local radio station. And so when Building 429 comes in to do a concert, um, the promoter goes, hey, can we have a local opener open up for you? And they're like, yeah, sure. So they would call me. I'd get up there with an acoustic guitar, and I'd play a few songs. And so that happened a couple of times. Well, then Phil Wickham comes to town, and, and the church said, hey, can we have this local opener open for you? He was so kind. He said, yes. I went and played the show. Um, And it went, it was really, really good. It was a very, very good night. And Phil was so, so kind to me afterwards and and, and came to me and was like super encouraging. And he invited me to come back and hang for a little while. So we hung after the show was over with and he just encouraged me and we, we talked about things and said, hey, let's do this again sometime. We'll fast forward nine months after that. I get a phone call from his road manager saying, "Hey, how would you like to do a show with Phil in Tyler, Texas?" And I'm like, "Hey, I've never been to Tyler before. That'd be fun. I would love it." He said, "Be there. It's an acoustic show for you. You got 20 minutes, or you got 15 minutes. So just be prepared. Short version of the story." I get to Tyler, Texas a few weeks later for the show. Get there for my sound check, and and they let me know that Phil has has not arrived yet. So I said, "Hey, can you like play like like another song maybe?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can play another song." Well, at 6:45, 15 minutes before the show is about to begin, sold out show. Um, People are literally in the crowd shouting, Phil, 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 right? The whole holding <laughs> signs, the whole thing. I find out that Phil's plane cannot land in Dallas. There's a storm cloud sitting on top of the airport. So they could not land. So they had to land in Oklahoma City, which is about six hours away from Tyler, Texas, which is not going to get him there in 15 minutes to do the show. Mm. So they said, if Phil's not going to be here. Can you just play the show? And I'm going, are you kidding me? Because I'm really, it's it's like I've got the the whole deck stacked against me because Phil's not here and the crowd has no idea. So they oh, get up there and they announce
1: My goodness.
0: There's a DJ and he just he's out there and he, he just goes, um, and one more thing I gotta tell you. Um, Phil Wickham is not coming tonight, but please help me welcome the Michael Taylor band. Oh and,
1: <laughs> and,
0: I mean, my, it's like my whole life flashed before my eyes in that moment. And and the crowd is more confused because he just slipped it in there. It wasn't a big announcement like, hey, we got to let you know about Phil. It was like, hey, Phil, please help me welcome the Michael Taylor band, which is also not my name. So I get up there <laughs> and I'm, I'm in the crowd. I said, hey, three things. Number one, my name is actually Micah Tyler. I'm so sorry. Um, number two, I'm also so sorry because I don't have a band. I'm I'm by myself up here. And number three, I literally just decided to start a cover band called Will Thickham. Okay.
1: Oh, <laughs> so my this. goodness. That's
0: great. So the crowd slowly starts laughing. And it was in that moment where I just go, because the, the, the church told me, they said, hey, look, if you can do it, great. If you can't do it, we'll just cancel the show. But please consider it. And I'm sitting back in the dressing room. And you know what I was thinking about? I wasn't thinking about me playing in front of a few hundred people. I thought about 10 kids who were more interested in their pizza than they were me. And I survived that night because I served Jesus. Mm. And God moved that night because Jesus was there. So I get out there. I make my little joke. And then I start. I played every song I knew. Like I, I, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm pulling out worship songs I used to play, funny songs I'd like, everything I could do, and it was one of the best concerts of my entire life. Like the room <laughs> wow. just went went nuts. Like it was it was amazing. So, I mean, and there were still those reminders that afterwards um i mean i mean i go to my merch table to like talk to people and there's this big line out there i'm going like oh my gosh i've never had a line this big before and they come up and they start talking to me and and i'm just i'm signing things i'm saying thank you for buying stuff and this girl comes up and she goes it's it's actually my birthday today and i was like oh my gosh here here's a free cd and i gave it to her and i said uh so where are you from she said oh i'm i'm from mississippi we drove 16 hours to get here to see phil
1: oh (laughs) my goodness
0: Uh, um do you want a shirt? (laughs) I I didn't know what to do (laughs) in that moment. But like, I'm reminded, this was not my crowd, Philip's crowd, whatever. But I I remember laying, my, my wife and kids were there. We went to the hotel. I'm just laying there in the bed in the hotel and just going, all I could do that day was just be faithful to Jesus with what I had. And it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to have a Phil Wickham show where he's there, and I got to hang out with him, and I got to do the—but here's what's crazy. The next day, I get a call from Phil's road manager going, what did you do last night? And I said, dude, I was just trying to survive. He said, we just keep getting messages about how great of a job you did. Would you want to come open for us on some more things? And I said, hey, I've bought tickets to watch you, watch Phil and Shane and Shane. For the last like couple of years, it's like a tradition for us. If you guys are looking for an opener, I'd love to be considered. Fast forward a couple months later, I'm out on the Christmas. My very first tour was with Shane and Shane, who are one of the main reasons I played the guitar when I was 20, because they were my heroes. And Phil Wickham, who just gave me a chance you know, for not showing up to the show. I later ended up signing a management deal with Phil's manager. I signed a record deal with Phil's record label. And I signed booking with Phil's booking. Like, and it's all because teen kids at a pizza party didn't listen to me. And I learned how to be faithful in that. And it turned into everything.
1: So, wow. Wow. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> wow, that's quite just, a never, story. Yeah. You just never know what
0: God is what God is doing today, what, what storm you are walking through today, what thing you're having to, to decide to be brave about today that may not get the results that you want today. But what if God is building and carving something in you so that when that time does come, you're prepared. You're prepared to get out there and sing every song, you know, and make the joke and be comfortable enough up there because you knew what it was like to survive all the bad rooms and all the bad situations and all the tough spots and still be able to serve Jesus faithfully.
1: That's a powerful word, Micah. And one thing, and and I think that that word faithful um, just keeps standing out. I think if we do live in that place where we are just fully surrendered to God, you can have that peace and you can say, "Okay, look, what's right in front of me, I'm going to do my best with it. And then let God take care of the outcome. In my own journey, I've, I've had to learn that through my own recovery process. What I've realized is that a lot of times His outcome is way better than ever than what I had wanted or expected for myself. And if we right. just stay steady and true to Him in those daily moments, just like you're saying, that daily surrender.
0: What we have to remember is, is that fear is such a device the enemy uses that. If fear is our motivator, then how in the world are, are we supposed to know the peace of God? Like, really, how, how do we walk with peace if we are being driven by fear? It just doesn't work that way. So what we have to do is is, is we have to surrender the fear and, and confess that fear. Because here's the deal. God just keeps putting breath in our lungs. I, Louis Giglio has this incredible, incredible quote that I love so, so much. And he says, basically, God puts breath in our lungs so we can give it back to him. Through praise, through our affection, through worship, through service, like whatever that if God puts breath in our lungs, it's it's literally so that we can give it back to Him, so that we can offer it back to Him. For for whatever reason, God just keeps putting breath in our lungs. It's how we use it. Do we do we use that breath to to speak life to someone, or do we do we speak death? Do we speak curses, or do we speak blessing? Do we? hold on to our breath and, and hold on to the fear inside of our chest, or do we speak the fears that we have so that we can overcome those things through prayer and through confession and through trying to ha- get help from the, the people around us and have accountability in our lives? Like That's, that's where the beautiful stuff happens. That, that's where the hard work really, really takes place. But it's all worth it. Every breath is worth it whenever we use that breath the right way.
1: So good. Well, I I just love how you can even when you look back, you can see how God is using all of it. You know, like he started out with you being a youth pastor, your faithfulness in that. And then, you know, I believe no one learns more than the teacher whenever you're teaching these kids, because you have to truly understand what you're talking about. You have to dive into the subject, really explore so that you can deliver a a message. It sounds to me like God took all those moments of you teaching and leading kids. And then he brought in the music element. I mean, it was just all in his plan for you. And then he puts it all together and, and you're still continuing that journey. And I just... I think it's amazing how he just has used all of that. It just goes back to he uses all of it, you know, for his glory. And and it all works together for our good. And what a testimony to that.
0: Someone told me a long time ago, literally the, the week before. So I guess it was like 12 years ago this week, a week before I said that as my last. Um, uh, Sunday as a youth pastor, we had a traveling revival team come to our church, and they'd been there a couple times before, and I've become friends with them, and they're super, super sweet family. And a lady named Connie Northam is the Northam family, and it's a, a husband and wife and their three daughters. And they traveled around the country, lived in a bus, like went everywhere, just sharing the gospel and doing concerts and all that kind of stuff. And they were amazingly talented. They're so, so sweet. And they came to our church and I told them about how I was about to be stepping away as a youth pastor and what I was about to be doing. And they said, well, what? so what's your plan? I said, I, I don't have a plan. I said, my, my plan is just to like be faithful to whatever God gives me. But like, you know, if, if you guys have any wisdom, I'd, I'd love to know it. So I was that kid asking like, "Hey, how, how do I how do I do this for a living? Because I, I want to be faithful, but I just don't even know what to be faithful to right now. Mm-hmm. And what Connie She said, "I raised my daughters on this bus for the last twenty years. They didn't go to prom because they were homeschooled. The bus broke down more times than I can count. There were those really, really hard, sad moments of being lonely out there with just our family traveling around the country. We had flat tires. We've had all this stuff come up, and it's it's hard to be married to a person and live inside of a you know uh, a three hundred square foot you know rectangle just driving down the road all the time." Mm And she said, but here's the deal. If, if Jesus were to take me back 20 years ago and say, Connie, here's what's going to happen for the next 20 years. You're going to go through all these heartaches. You're going to have all these tough moments. Your girls are going to miss all these things. All this stuff is going to happen. Do you want to do it? She said, I would have never said yes. I would have said, oh my gosh, that sounds that sounds so hard. I, I don't want to go through all these hard things. She said, it would be so much sacrifice that I would be like signing up for. She said, but can I just tell you something right now, as I look back on all those things, she said, I would not change a single thing because God brought us here today because of all those things. Then she said this, and I quote this to myself once a week for the last 12 years. She said, when you look forward and see a sacrifice, you will always look back and see God's faithfulness. Mm
1: -hmm. He's not
0: calling us to him things that are not redeemable and not things that are going to be worth it and, and that are not for our good. You know, uh, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I give myself that little pep talk more. T- I've, I've said that to myself more times than probably any phrase I've ever been given by somebody. Because they're just go like, OK, God, this feels like a sacrifice coming up. This is going to be hard to do. But I, I'm going to trust and believe that what you're doing is worth it. What I am doing is worth it because on the other side, I'm going to see your faithfulness. The night that Phil didn't show up for a show, that felt like a big sacrifice to me. And now I look back and go, no, that night changed my life. That, that was God's faithfulness at work right now. So, so if there's a listener right now who is feeling like they're in the middle of a sacrificial season, like they're really having to give things up, they're having to lay things down, they're, they're going through a tough storm right now in their life. You will look back if we submit those moments to the Lord. We will look back and we will see his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his faithfulness over and over and over again, because that is who he is.
1: You got me in tears over here.
0: (laughs) Wow. 2017 was the hardest year of my entire life. That was also the year that Never Been a Moment went number one on Christian radio, okay? I I signed a record deal. We had Never Been a Moment on the radio, and then Different goes on the radio right after that. And it's just this very, very sweet season professionally, but at the exact same time. That summer, my grandmother gets blood cancer. Um, a few weeks after that, Hurricane Harvey poured 40 inches of rain on my house in two days, that mobile home that we were living in still. And, and we had to replace four of the rooms in that, in that house because of the, the floodwaters. And then six weeks after the storm, my younger brother Daniel was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And this all happens within two months of each other. Like It was just like all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once. I was walking on stage and telling people there's never been a moment that God has not loved you and been for you while my moments were in agony. My moments were hurting right there on stage. And I'm, I'm just trying to believe that there's something happening here. And I'm just asking for the mercy of God in my life Just get like, God, show us some mercy here. Like, please just show us mercy. And I was reminded by some friends the day that I wrote a song called New Today they just said, hey, Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23 say this, his mercies are made new every morning because he's faithful. And, and, And I was just reminded, like, I don't have to work hard enough to get mercy. I don't have to beg hard enough. I don't have to please God enough for him to show me mercy because of his goodness and his faithfulness. That morning, I didn't have to wait till tomorrow. That morning, God had mercies, new mercies for me that day. So in the middle of my most brutal moment, God is still so faithful to give mercy and grace in those moments. And so here's the deal. We, we walked, my, my grandmother ended up going into remission. So she, she was able to, to beat the cancer. We put the house back together. My brother got to ring the bell because he was a cancer survivor just a, within the next four months after all that. And it was so, so hard. But here's the deal. Whenever 2020 comes up, and all of a sudden, our whole life gets shut down, and I make 10% of my income from the year before, and that whole year of us being shut down, because there's no concerts. You knew that whole situation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going, yeah, but you've been faithful in the storm before. I trust you more because of cancer and hurricanes. So I'm, I'm going to trust you again. You, you, have, you have proven yourself to be trustworthy and faithful in the dark. And so now I'm going to trust that your light will keep coming. And so as we continue to walk through hard things, as like I wrote this book, Walking Free, I'm literally sitting next to my brother who is on his third battle of cancer. He's taking chemo treatments and writing his sermon for his youth group the next night because he's a youth pastor. And then at the same time, I'm over there writing chapters of a book talking about the freedom that God gives us. From the outside, it looks like that we are just locked up by, by by our situation, our circumstances. Cancer is is prevalent. He's trying to beat it again. It is it is taking his like parts of his life. It's just really, really vicious. And and at the same time, the both of us are going like, nope. There's freedom here still. Mm -hmm. Jesus is trusting today. And so, so yeah, this book is not something that I'm, I figured everything out and I'm on the other side of all these things looking back at everybody going, hey, I'm free. If you want to be free, here's 42 easy steps that you can take. That's not how this works. I am still, I wrote this book as a reminder for me. I pray that my great-grandchildren one day will pick this book up and not see that this is a self-help book. This is a Jesus-help book. This is me going, I cannot do this, so I need you to show me the steps one at a time for us to be able to step away from our fear and into faith, away from being reckless and into being relentless. And I'm like, just really focusing each step, whether it is big and heavy and bold and hard to take or it feels like it's just a confirmation that we're still walking in the right direction. I want to be reminded. So my, my prayer is that I get to walk with all my friends now, mm. that people who grab this, that we walk together knowing that the author and perfecter of our faith is worth setting our eyes on and running the race towards.
1: Wow. Well, one thing I, I love about your book is that it's so honest and it's real. It's very much like your music, you know, and your lyrics, the Icy Grace song. Uh, which is your most recent song, one of my favorites. There you said, I've seen shame, the kind that comes from mistakes, the kind that won't go away. You know, when I turned around, they were right there to remind me. I've seen regret, you know, all of these things that we've all felt. And so often we stay locked up inside. And, and you address that in your book. You're like, let's talk about that. Let's be real. Let's. Um, deal with confession and let's deal with accountability and and be okay with that. And just even what you say about religion. And and I I just wanted to kind of maybe ask you, and you don't have to answer this if it makes you feel uncomfortable, but just personally, because when I read your lyrics and I read the words in your book, I'm like this guy, he really does understand shame, regret, making mistakes. Yep. Where is that coming from? Just from your own personal journey? Is there somewhere in there where you're like, you know what, this is what I've dealt with or where I've walked and And this is what God does yes. for me. This is how I got out of it because there's someone listening today that they do have shame. They have regret and they're locked up in that and they don't know how to get out.
0: Whenever I was. Would- 16 years old, I, that's when I met the biggest bully and the biggest enemy of my entire life. I've never had someone treat me worse than whenever I was 16 years old. Called me names, was just brutal, abusive, like everything that he could be. And he lived in my mirror. It was me. I hated me. And I would treat myself so badly. I I would believe that everybody else felt the same way I did because I hated the way that I looked, I hated the way that I talked, I hated the way that I thought, I hated the way that I dressed. I mean I, there was nothing in my life that I liked. And nobody knew. I kept that complete to myself. I was just the guy who would walk up and say hey to everybody and secretly count how many people said hey back and, and just trust the people who didn't say hey, whether it was they didn't hear me or whatever, I believe it was because I am just so unlovable. And so I felt like in Psalm 139, when it says that we are uniquely and uniquely made, I thought that was a punishment because I just want to be like everybody else. And so here's the deal. God was able to bring in a youth pastor who really did affect and change my life in a way that, that really showed me that the gospel was what it says that it is, that it is a life raft for us. That it is a, a saving for us. It is a grace for us. It's all these things. It's a transformative gift that God has given to us. But for years and years and years, I still was the worst critic on myself that I could possibly be. And in 20, gosh, 2015, I sat down and just started thinking about that whole idea. And like I'm going, God, I've asked you to change me so many times. Comparison of the people of joy. And I was thieving myself from <laughs> joy every chance that I got. I would look over and be like, I wish I could sing like that. I wish my show looked like that. I wish I could play guitar like that. I wish I could write like that. And I compared myself to everybody around me constantly. And it was 33 years old that I realized that if I am uniquely made, I'm also wonderfully made. And if God calls that wonderful, if God calls me beloved, then I've got to learn how to, to ask Him to change things in my life, not to look like everyone else, but to look like Him. So I sat down with a guitar and I wrote, I want to be different. I want to be changed. till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world could see to so come and be different in me. I was addicted to criticism. I was addicted to hurting myself. It was like almost like a comfort to me if I could go ahead and dispel myself, if I could go ahead and like talk myself out. Hey, you're not good enough. That's why it's not working. You're not good enough. This is why you have to do this and this. I told myself that so many times because I thought if I can excuse myself because I just don't have the talent to do this for a living or whatever it may be, then I I wouldn't hold myself to a high standard. So I couldn't let myself down because I just was already down all the time. And so when I see Grace, when I wrote that song, it was me just reminding myself that because I, 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 after I wrote different, I really started trying to focus on that. And listen, I can still be a, a bad critic to myself. I can still, in my unhealthy moments, treat myself poorly. But I remember every time that I messed up, if I, if I sinned, if I made a mistake, if I treated someone poorly, whatever that may be, I would hold that over my own head for years. Somehow, I thought that I was a better judge. Jesus could forgive me. The king of the universe forgives my sins, but I was still keeping a record. Isn't that crazy? Mm. So then I realized when I wrote different, I really tried to let grace really move in my life in a way that actually I was being transformed and I was, I was forgiving myself too, right? So in a time to, to write I See Grace, it was a moment where I realized like, oh my gosh, for the longest time, I would look back on my mistakes and that's what they were. They were, they were sins. They were mistakes. I felt the shame again. I held on to the pain from it. I would, I would hold those things over my head. But I've been noticing that over the last few years, when I would look back on those mistakes, I wouldn't feel that pain and shame anymore. I, I would see mercy, and I would see forgiveness, and I would see a grace that is greater than all my sin. So I see grace was kind of just like, not like a, hey, I'm killing it now. It's more of a, man, thank God that when I look back at the mistakes and the, the struggles that I've had, I don't hold those things over my head anymore. I trust that this grace has been given to me and it is a grace that is greater than anything I've come across. And I just want to celebrate that. And I want to see grace in the things that are going on in my life day by day.
1: Wow. I just love that so much. I think so many of us put that shame label on on ourselves. And I think it comes out in the form of addiction for a lot of us. And then it perpetuates the addiction. You know, you feel bad about yourself. So to feel better, at least temporarily, you turn to these other things. It could be toxic relationships. It could be substance abuse. It could be anything that we still want to turn to just to cope with the shame that we feel. And, and wow, I mean, what a beautiful testimony of truly understanding why Jesus died for us and, and who we are in Christ and how God sees us and uniquely created us uh, for his glory. But we are special and unique individually, and we can live in that and, trust in that. And and if we do, there is freedom there. So I, I just appreciate your words so much and, and your honesty in that and just sharing that with us. I think that sometimes
0: we think brave is taking down a dragon. Brave is running into a burning building to save somebody. Sometimes brave is admitting that we need help. Sometimes brave is throwing our hands up and going, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I just need help. And so I think that we feel like we have to get in a position sometimes to be brave whenever in the middle of our hardest moment, the bravest thing we can do is just say help and ask Jesus to change things. And When we made the music video for Different, I remember it just God was teaching this to me. It's like there have been times in my life when storms are coming, whenever cancer is coming, whenever hard things are coming, that I ask God to change my circumstances. And and, and what I realized was that the the truth and the promise behind God's nearness that he gives us in in his scriptures, none of that truth changes because our situations get difficult. Sometimes he will stop the storm. He can say, peace be still, and the storm stops. The name of the Lord is a righteous power that the righteous can run in and be safe, right? And I think that we look at it like a real action thing that we have to go do, but sometimes. God doesn't want to stop the storm. Sometimes God wants to calm and put peace in us and change the inside of us so that we can handle these circumstances. And so, you know, sometimes being brave um, is running into a burning building. And sometimes being brave is literally just going, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I want to be faithful.
1: Just it's that refining fire in the storm, right? I was having this conversation with my 10 year old son just last night. If you want to be a fire for the Lord, you're going to have to walk through the fire, I think that's one of the mm. the greatest ways that God does use us. It's But we, we've got to go through the fire in order to be a fire. Yeah. That's, that's my personal opinion and really fight through some things. Yeah. And Micah, for our listeners, I know we're out of time. Uh, if they want to find yeah. you, how how can they find you?
0: tyler.com' the website at Micah Tyler Music is all my social media stuff. I'm out there. I'm horrible at social media. Like I'm just not. I'm just not good at it. I post pictures of my kids and I post pictures of shows and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I love connecting with people. And so I try to get on there and, you know, hang out with folks and and try to put good truths out there. And so, yeah, any any kind of social media you have been Micah Tyler, there's only one of me running around out there. Um, And so, yeah, they can find me kind of anywhere they like to connect with people.
1: Micah, thank you so much. So much, so much wisdom, so much good stuff. I have like three pages of notes I didn't even get to. We're out of time. So I'm going to have to talk to you another time one of these days because yeah. just lots of good stuff.
0: It was a blast. Thanks so much for for having me. And yeah, let's let's set it up again.
1: Sounds good. If you have any questions about this podcast that you've heard today, you can always email me, Christy at com. Christy spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.